Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Well, you made it. Here we are again. Wednesday. Wednesday show day, script shop show. Wednesday show day, script shop show. No copyright on the songs we make up. That's right. Frank, bad news. Keep your laws to yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Jack. Welcome to Wednesday. I'm Allison. And this is our podcast, Script Shop. Where we talk to screenwriters about stories they've written and what they mean and why they're important to them. And uh, we get to go through their minds and figure out why this person is the only person in the whole world who could have written this script. Yes, and if you uh, if you like what you listen to, you should uh, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, look up Script Shop Show on any of those ways of communicating, and you should uh, follow us and like us or all the all the different positive Beep, verbs. Beep, boop, boop, boop. Sing songs at us. Yeah, like and subscribe, and uh, we'd love that. Yes. You know what? Social media is an amazing thing. For example, we are putting this show out on the internet. Oh, yes. And uh, in return, people respond, you know, pretty positively at times. Our writer today hot burritoed the shit out of us. <laughs> that sounds like the filthiest thing you could have possibly said. Uh-huh. The filthiest way you could have possibly framed you it. You know how I like to say things around here. I know, and you're looking for a reaction out of me nine times out of ten. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Today's writer, Afnan Linjawi, has, uh, she sent a script in to us called First Date, and with it, she sent in a second script called Hot Burrito. Which is amazing, which it's, means she listens incredible. to the show, if you're familiar. Hot Burrito is the phrase that we tell you to incorporate into your email to us to mm-hmm. let us know that you listen to the show, and then we read your script sooner. Mm-hmm. Because we did we did have an unprecedented number of scripts come our way this season, and so we needed a way to kind of sort through from our listeners to people that might have been submitting but don't really pay attention to what they're submitting to, because it happens at times. So um, Afnan... She took that suggestion Mm -hmm. to send the phrase that pays. She took creative license with it. She wrote a five-page script, and then she blew our minds. (laughs) So we are are happy to welcome her to the show today with her short script, um, First Date. First Date is a six-page or metaphorical first date potential love story. Question mark. Being coy. Yeah, which uh, we get to talk to her about metaphorical writing and a lot of other great things today on the show. If you have written things that are metaphorical, if you've written things that are a little more direct, uh, you should send those to us and you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And again, if you include the phrase hot burrito in your message to us with your script, that'll put you to the front of the line as far as what we're going to read next. We do also accept real burritos Mm. at any point so if you would like to give us burritos hot burritos Mm -hmm. preferably i really like uh quesaritos 
Hashtag no, we were going Taco to... Bell. I, I was going to say that you know she really screwed up by sending us a hot burrito script as opposed to sending us an actual hot burrito. But you but know. she really didn't screw up at all. No, like, no that no, script was wonderful. great and it totally caught our attention. And yeah, you sent us a text in all caps that just said, "We got our first fan art." It was amazing. And then I asked if I looked good in the fan art, and then you had to explain, "No, it's actually a script with our hot burrito well, thing." Well, I but... took I sent a picture of the script that said "hot burrito." You didn't even look at the picture. Sorry, I just heard fan art and I was worried about how I looked. Well. That's all I. That, well, sorry, that's how my that's my if brain. There works. was fan art. I'm sure you would look super handsome. Well, maybe we'll see. We'll, we we'll see once rolled, fan art comes rolling in. Listen, guys, if you're gonna do real fan art, always make Jack look super super handsome because that's, that's how he looks in real life. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> all right, we okay, probably yeah. Let's wait. Patreon send money. Okay. There we go. Patreon send money. Let us go to I, speaking to us. I believe from quite a ways away from Cincinnati, Ohio. Let us go to and see Afnan Linjawi. Are you there? If only I can cook or draw. <laughs> <laughs> you stick to writing. We love it. You're such a great writer. Yeah, we love your stuff very much. We can't believe that you sent us a script that was called Hot Burrito. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, gosh. I mean, the whole story of how that happened is just, I don't know. It's just kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it was kind of hilarious? You, j- you weren't just like, we're gonna. I'm just going to get to the top of the line here and send the script in. Watch me. Not at all. actually, guys. When I when I decided to send you my script, first date wasn't even written yet. No. I hadn't even wrote first date. I was gonna send a different script. Um, and well, basically, the whole backstory of this is I started screenwriting in like November two thousand seventeen. I think you guys started December two thousand seventeen. I think um, that yeah. was like your first um, show, at least. Um, and um, yeah, and and so. When I got into screenwriting, I was like, I just want to saturate my life with anything and everything screenwriting. And I started to look up podcasts. And that's where you guys were the first podcast I ever started listening to. And um, not only that, I think I followed you guys on Instagram. And me and Jack had like this mini interaction. This was like a year ago where I was like, I love you guys so much. One day I'm going to be on your show. And then you said... Yeah, and then Jack was like, sure, we love to read your scripts. And I was like, gosh, they're so positive all the time. <laughs> um, it sounds like now, you and was, Jack have had a connection for a while. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, at the time I was like, I'm not, like, there yet. Like, I'm not good enough to, to you know, send my script yet. And I think I thought, like, I had to have something produced so I have, like, some credit to my name or something like that. Um Anyway, so I started reading you guys' script and then cut to like a year later, maybe I started dating this guy and we fell in love and everything. And um, we were just chilling one day and he was doing his thing on his phone. I was doing my thing on my phone, which is listening to podcasts. And um, and then like when I played your episode, I was like, babe, check that you've got to listen to these guys. Their intro is amazing. It's just so creative. You've got to listen to them. And I played your intro and, and he was like listening to it. And then he said, he said this like in such a matter of factly tone, he was like, did you send them your script? And, and I was like, well, I mean, not yet. Like one day maybe, but not yet. But like, he said it in a way that was like, don't you see that that's what you should do? Aww. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, it, it just kind of like, it, it throws me sometimes people's certainty in, in, in my talent. Cause I'm like, I just met you. Like we've only been dating for like a month. And he was like, I mean, don't you think that that's what you should do? And I was like, yeah, okay, one day. <laughs> and then um, this is like, like the sadder part of the story, which is I got this great job in Dubai. 
and I'm here and working as a screenwriter for screenwriter and like business developer, which means like I get them opportunities um, to produce uh, shows and stuff. And so I got this great opportunity in Dubai. And that was like the reason why we well, split. I say split very loosely because we still talk like we're still together. But okay. because but he doesn't do long distance and all that. So we had to split. So I was just going through this week in which I was just heartbroken. And I felt like I was more heartbroken. Like I was going through the heartbreak more than he was. I mean, he, he was sad and all, but he was also kind of just like used to letting go of people where I'm very much like my script. Like I'm very committed and I put my heart on the plate every time. Yeah. Um, so I was just like going through all this. And then because I, I'm, I mean, I'm freer now, I don't have a boyfriend. So, and I was like jogging and then I went back to my podcast and I started to listen to you guys again. And then I remember that moment um, that I had me and him. And then I just like stopped and I texted him and was like, I'm going to submit my script <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to this podcast. And this was like my low key kind of breakup rebound, whatever. <laughs> we are always here for you. Yeah. No we kidding. are that's, always that's here for you. The sweetest, most personal thing I've heard on the show in a long that's, time. That's really beautiful. Thank you for letting us be a part of that with you. Oh my gosh. And then I was like, um, I texted him about it. We still talk like we're still together. I texted him about it, and, and his response was, finally. Aww. Yeah, he <laughs> like, just wants good things for you, too. <laughs> so when, yeah, and then, yeah. When did you, you said that you only recently kind of started writing. What was the impetus to start writing screenplays? Well, okay, this is also a, a pretty long story, but I'm going to try to keep it as short as possible. So okay. um, I've always been... I've always been a writer. I consider writing like an identity more like I don't write for credit or I write because I have to basically. I just don't, I can't not write in life. So when I started, I mean, I started as a poet. I used to write poems when I was a kid. Um, and I continued doing that until high school. And then I got the chance to publish like two of my poems in um, an American journal called Voices and Visions. Um, and it focuses on like women writing and especially women in colleges and stuff like that. So I was pretty psyched. And then I slowly branched out to short story. And then when I was in college, um, there was this drama club that I started to get involved in and I started to write plays. And that was easier because I don't have to think of, I mean, you think of the stage and the actors and the dialogue and, and the symbolism of it. So I did playwriting for a little bit when I was in college. Um, and then I mean, it was just a, a typical, which I never thought my life would be the typical Middle Eastern girl story, which was I graduated from college and then I faced like cultural constrictions of like, you can't go out, you can't travel, you can't do this and that. And it was just such a, it was like three years of me, like just putting a plan down, which is like, okay, these are my constrictions. And I did a lot of research, y'all. Mm -hmm. I did <laughs> I research, I read every single religion there is out there so I can like start to create my own values that are not related to uh, not only my religion, obviously I grew up Muslim, um, not only my religion, but well, that's when I found out that there's this um, bigotry between religion and culture and people will break religion just to, and, and use culture just to kind of, you know, put their own agenda forward. Oh, wow, that's um, interesting. That's extremely insightful. Yeah, I mean, that's what I faced, and I was so shocked um, when yeah. I did that because I was like, what, what, is, like, what is going on? And, and I remember there was a, there was a moment um, 
which, um, you know, one of, I felt like one of my values was kind of, you know, um, broken, which is I had this, in an arranged marriage situation, I had a guy propose to me. I never met him, <laughs> never saw him. But my family, which I never grew up with that, but out of nowhere, my mom was like, oh, no, we're rejecting him because he's black. <laughs> and I was wow. like, oh. Uh, what? <laughs> I was like, hold on. I know racism in America. I had no idea that we had racism like that. Um, and it was just so confusing to me. I literally called up a friend from college and I was like, hey, so you're black <laughs> and I have a question <laughs> because it was I've never faced anything like this. And it was just so confusing because I was like, who am I? What are we? What What is going on? And I remember in that moment, I had this heated argument with my mom and I kept telling her, mom, this is not my story. This is not my story. Mm. What, what ended so up that, happening in that situation? I mean, it, the arranged marriage situation just kind of fell apart. I didn't care much about it. But um, then I started to, well, I've never dated up until that point. I was 24 and I met someone like a year or so later and I fell in love with him and I fought so hard to be with him. Like I fought against the family. I fought against the law. <laughs> I just went full on. And I think that's when, that's when my family started to see that, gosh, like she, she knows what she wants and she has a direction and she has something that we're not seeing. Um, and then that's when they started to relent a little bit. Um, my dad was like, okay, okay. If you want to travel, you can travel, just don't, like, don't desert us as your family. So, um, you know, you talked about getting out of college and having some constrictions on your life. Were those ones that were imposed specifically by your family? Um, well, that's what, that's what happened to me, yes. And it's just so nuanced and complex because yeah. there's a lot of, like, intra-politics into it, too. Because, the, the, I mean, the, the poster image of the Middle East is that it's very constrictive and oppressive but also there's like you know it depends on like what kind of arab you are either like you're a tribal arab or a non-tribal arab and i'm a non-tribal arab which means we're more liberal because we've mixed so i'm a mix between persian and turkish um and some arab in there so because we were mixed and we've traveled historically and so we're more liberal but we existed in an environment that was mostly very conservative what's that like yeah. having to like having to have this like fight with family when you're like you you've grown up and you you have a certain perception of the world and you're even lucky as a kid because you were able to travel internationally and i think that's such a huge yeah. you know being able to see the world outside of just the little you know whatever town anybody grows up in you've seen other cultures and other types of people period and then you get into this point where you're in your 20s college is over with you're looking to like start your life and now you've got to have a, like a fight with family members that you weren't expecting that sounds really challenging oh, oh yeah well challenging is, a, is an understatement but um i mean i grew up i was born in, in in the west coast of saudi arabia a town called jiddah which is my favorite city in the world i love it so much and um uh, I grew up there, and on first grade, I lived in Boston. I spent there like six months, like the first term of, of the year I was in Boston. And then I came back to my city uh, for like another three years until third grade. And then and then fourth grade, I went to the capital, Riyadh, uh, which is where the conservative culture is. Mm -hmm. So that was a culture shock. Like That was more of a culture shock to me than going to Boston. Wow. Um, so then I spent three years there and then I went back to my city and then high school, I lived in England, Birmingham for four years. 
And then I came back to doing, you know, to doing college uh, in my hometown again. Um, and then I had to face this whole thing with my with my family, which was, yeah. which was, it was so confusing. But it was weirdly, it was like I was fighting for us, like the whole family. Like I sort of, it was hard. I hated because I was like, I was not like I get culture standing against me, but I was not expecting that my own parents yeah. would stand against me because we grew up like we're together trying to create a, a safe liberal bubble in this world. So I was like, what are y'all doing? Like, you're just falling apart on the plan. What's happening? What's your relationship um, like with your parents right now? Much better, but still tough. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I, I've had to take a lot of like really tough decisions and it, it really sucked because I never wanted to be harsh towards my parents. Um, and not only that, but it's also like, that's not what they need as individuals, but it got to a point where I had to just accept the idea that I'm, I'm not strong enough to carry them yet. And I have to make tough decisions to be strong so I can carry them in the future. And I know that this period right now might kind of like, you know, might, might break them, but also I just, it, it just got to a point where I had to be like, you know what, mom, you're 40. You should know how to deal with, you know, your children growing up and moving away. Dad, you, you know, you've had this life situation for long. You've been struggling with money. You've had health issues. You should have planned for your life. I just don't know what else to do. Um, you know, so you talk I, about like maybe this period, it could potentially break them. Do you mean like you moving away and taking a job in a different city? Um, I guess that's part of it, but also just, um, just, just moving away in general. Cause you know, the, I've just been kind of trying to break a lot of barriers. Yeah. Um, and, um, the, I've moved out, which is uncommon in my culture. Like you, you live with your parents, men or women until marriage. And then you either, you get your own household or even some family, they just like build an extension to their own house. It's like here you go. So um, how did how does I, how does writing sort of figure into when you're going through all this stuff and you're you're having to yeah. try to forge your own way and you almost like a I mean I, I don't mean to say baby bird leaving the nest but in terms of growing up and moving on and forming your own life how d is writing sort of an outlet to process a lot of these different complicated and at times painful feelings? I mean, definitely. But I think with me, I mean, that's how writing started as a kid. Like I was, I always faced, um, you know, conflict and complications, even when I was just a child. I think because I was, I mean, if this is like, I haven't been like officially diagnosed y'all, but like just through everything I've been through and through some situations, I've kind of reached a conclusion that I may have Asperger's syndrome. Um, and it's a very self-aware thing because now when I go to a therapist, and the thing is about therapists, like they're supposed to help you get through life. But if you if you are able to like create your own tools of survival, they can't really help you. Um, so so it's I'm so hyper aware, but I'm also I haven't been officially diagnosed, so I don't want to like you know just claim the title yet. But I like if you ask me personally, I really believe that I do have it. So just coming from that standpoint and I'm also something I learned as an adult I think I'm pretty intelligent like my intelligence is above average um so I've had to deal with a lot of that in school too which so I've always had to deal with adversary in that sense and writing has been like my only friend and and I've, I've said this to people when I was like 16 and I had this instructor that asked me why do you write and I was like oh the pen and paper is my only friend 
When did so, yeah. when did your new job start showing up for you? This, you know, you've just recently started doing screenplays, although you've been a writer for a long time. And where did this new job opportunity come from? And, and what do you think about it so far? Yeah, so I'll, I didn't directly answer um, the previous question you asked because I talk a lot because I have so much to say. But um, <laughs> but uh, so like in my kind of struggle to or like fight to freedom, so to speak, um, the last thing because it was like I was like freedom of mobility, which means like I go out, freedom of this and that. And the last one was like freedom to travel. And um, I was I mean, I wanted, ironically, I was aiming to, to go to Germany. That's what I wanted. That was my dream. So I can take classes, language classes, and just improve my, I speak German, like, okayly. But um, <laughs> that's a new word. Like, yeah, that works. No, we're okay-ly. with you. Okayly. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so that's what I wanted to do. And my bachelor's is in translation. So it's like, I just want to collect as many languages as possible. And then, um, so... My dad agreed, uh, you know, after so many years of struggle, I agreed to it. He's like, okay, fine, you can go. Just give us the name of the center that you're going to, whatever, all those details. And I was like, all right. Um, and then I, I booked the flight and everything. And um, I, um, and then, like, political stuff happened. So the best airways we have, like, in the region are the Qatari airways. And then some political stuff happened between Saudi Arabia and Qatar, and yeah. they shut down the airways. Um, and, and I had like two months before like the date of my vacation and, um, and I didn't do my visa yet. I don't know. I was just very lazy about it weirdly. Um, but then, but I had the American visa because like for us Saudis, you guys give us visas for a real long time. Okay. <laughs> Our tourist visas is like five years. <laughs> and I didn't know, I didn't know that other countries don't get that because in my mind I was like, who gives a visa for five years? <laughs> A tourist visa. But then when I went there, I learned like, oh, shit, no one else gets that. <laughs> um, so I had a valid American visa and I was and I had friends in the U.S. too. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm going to America. That's what I'm going to do. I was like, I don't need to do the visa. I don't need to. It's just easy way to do this. I'm just, I just want to get out of this. I want to achieve the whole idea of like me traveling alone. So I literally just Googled theater stuff to do. And I. I started with, because I'm very obsessive, so I started with searching, like, all over America, and then I was like, well, my friends are in California, so I was like, I'll narrow it down to California, and I was like, well, let me go L.A. if I want to do theater, and to, to answer the question of, like, how did writing fit into this, at that period of time, I was fighting to have space and room to be a writer, so yeah. so I figured writing, you know, I, I really need zero limitations if I want to be a writer, because I want to travel on a whim, and I want to just do crazy stuff. I don't want limitations, um, so I can explore thoughts and ideas and have experiences, so that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to create a space for me to be a writer, mm-hmm. um, and so I just found the second city. I was, like, browsing through stuff online, and then I heard the second city, and I obsessively watch American talk shows, and Stephen Colbert always talks about graduating from the second city. Oh, yeah, he so, came up through that for sure. So I paid, so I, I just signed up for a bunch of classes. I was there for two months, and I even, like, I didn't I didn't take a vacation from work. I was working as a translator for a newspaper. Um, I didn't take a vacation from work for, like, three years, so I had a lot of vacation credit, too. <laughs> yeah. So I was able to take like six weeks off, which is a lot. Um, and I took these short courses and I signed up for a bunch of courses. And even even when I got to like customs in in, in LAX, the the guy was like, 
how long are you here for? And I'm like, two months. And he was like, for what reason? I was like, vacation. And he was like, you get vacation for two months? <laughs> yeah. I just went, like, I went there and actually I got off the plane from the airport and immediately went to the barbershop and just shaved my hair. Just fully and completely. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's cool. Like, that's, my, that's my Instagram picture. It's on my Instagram, yeah. And the reason why I did that was I've always wanted to, I was just like, when I was a kid, I, I was such a tomboy. And my mom would always t- tell me, like, if you don't comb your hair, it's going to get so tangled, we're going to have to shave it off. And <laughs> I never understood, like, the threat of that. I'm like, well, okay, shave it off. Like, I don't get, how's that a, <laughs> a reason for me to start combing my hair? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was there for two months, and I didn't want to freak my parents out, especially my mom. So, like, let me just do it here so it has time to grow. <laughs> So it's um, not like the shock value isn't just immediately. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I did it like immediately, shaved my head, and I stayed at this Airbnb place. And um, I met a lot of really cool people and friends for life. The reason I, why I went there was I was just focusing on I want to do some writing. And because we didn't have theaters and we don't, we don't have like our first movie theater opened uh, last June after a 30-year ban yeah. on movie theaters. Wow. So we, didn't, we never had movie theaters. So this was, a, for me, and I just wanted, I cared so much about theater, and I just wanted to attend. That was like, I'm going to L.A. to, to like see a show, and I got to see Hamilton, which was awesome. Oh, my gosh, um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I got to do a lot of stuff that a lot of people that are living in L.A. weren't able to do. <laughs> um so, so I just filled my vacation with everything theater and everything writing, and I've never seen um, a script before, nor has it ever occurred to me that I can just simply Google a script and read it. It's just never been, I mean, and I was like obsessed with TV, and, and I grew up watching a lot of TV, and um, mostly American TV because we didn't have a strong entertainment media. So there was just nothing entertaining for me to watch from our own production. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, so in terms uh, of the uh, different influences and stuff, I think we ought to segue now into your script that you sent us first date, and then we can get into some of the metaphors in that and maybe some of the influences of, because if you're a kid watching international television, uh, that's, I think that's got to play a huge role in shaping, you know, your personality and worldview and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. So if you'll uh, hang on, Afnan, we will uh, be back to you, but we're actually going to read your whole script. Cool. (laughs) Awesome. Hang on just a second, okay? All right, listeners. So today we're going to, we are delighted to read the whole script that was sent to us. First date. Um, I'm going to be reading for the character, her, Mm -hmm. who is named, well, you'll see she is named, but in the script she's labeled as her. And Jack's going to be reading him. Mm -hmm. And today... Uh, for your listening pleasure, Frank will be playing the waiter, as is his custom here in the studio. And he's also going to be doing the action headings. There you go. So, Frank, you want to say hi to the folks? Get them all warmed up for you. How you doing? There you go. Let the Ooh. sound of your voice. Yeah. Did you go? I did because he sort of raised his eyebrow when he looked at when he made eye contact with me and said it just then. Well, that's nice. Yeah, it's sweet. <laughs> all right. So, Frank, whenever you are ready, take it away. Interior. Fancy restaurant, night. The candle flames on the table sway elegantly, clearly in tune with the classic symphony playing in the background. Two pointer fingers tap incessantly on the plate in front of them, disturbing the candle flames. They are clear, not in tune with the music. 
He rearranges the knife and fork as if somehow that would ease his tension. He lets out a sigh. Hi. A beautiful woman in a red dress and matching lipstick smiles as she stands by the table. You're... She checks her phone. Before she is able to pull up his information, he stands up and extends his hand for a shake. Yes, it's David. I'm David. David is me. David is who you're... Hi, I'm David. (laughs) Her smile is gentle and compassionate. She shakes his hand. Lisa. Well, my profile says Lulu Lulu because because my my friends friends (laughs) made it for you. She stares at him in awe. The waiter comes in to interrupt their moment. Is there anything you need, sir, ma'am? They snap out of their gaze, fumbling to their seat. Oh, sorry. We, we, we were just sitting down. Yeah, we haven't looked at the menu yet. We'll do that right now. No worries. Take your time. The waiter walks away, remaining emotionally detached to their little fuss. They both settle down in their seats and hold their menus to their faces, studying them too closely. He looks up. So, shall we get started? Yeah. They put the menu down. She reaches into her purse and pulls out a beating heart and plumps it on the plate in front of her. Her face remains nonchalant about it as if it's an everyday activity. He puts on a heavy knight's armor and helmet. Did he have it with him all along? He lifts the front lid to reveal his face. She wipes the blood on her hand with the napkins. So you went scuba diving last Saturday? Yeah. You saw that? I just love being underwater. I told you about it before. It's not just a hobby for me. Like, I feel so free underwater. On ground, you're forced to move your feet, to move forward. But underwater, you can simply float and let the ocean carry you. You're really passionate about it. I can see that. Because you don't just do it for the fun of it. You truly believe it's life-changing. It is. And um, how's the writing going? Oh, no, I I don't write much. I, I write sometimes, but it's not like I'll ever be a writer. I just jot down a few words when I'm, you know, bored or lonely. She slowly nods her head. So, um, so you say your mom is going through chemo right now? Yeah. That's uh, not the first time. It's hard. I go see her after work every day. She doesn't want me to come see her every day. Like today, she wanted me to just relax at home before coming here, but I can't let a day go by without seeing her. It's hard. Yeah. What about you? You never talk much about your parents. Every time I ask, you just say you had a tough childhood, and you leave at that. Yeah, I had a tough childhood. She nods. He casually picks up his fork and knife. That quote you sent me, that, um, love is like a candle. He reaches out into her plate and starts cutting her heart. As long as it's lit, it brings warmth and light, but when you blow it out, it leaves you burnt and used. Red, pink, and crimson goo oozes out of her heart. As he slices at it, she doesn't react. Yeah, that wasn't a quote. Just something my ex said. He also said love is like a bottle of ketchup. When you first squeeze it tight, it oozes out generously. But over time, it just makes fart noises. (laughs) He's a writer. Or he wanted to be one. I guess I have a type. Her heart is no longer a heart. Just drenched meat on the plate. She picks up her fork and twirls it playfully in her hand. What about you? She pokes at his armor with her fork. Me? Yeah. What's your quote on love? She doesn't stop poking. Oh. He struggles to collect his thoughts. Clank, clank, clank. Um, I don't know. I don't think I've ever been in love. Clank, clank, clank. I mean, I think I came close once, but then we split. Why? Clank, clank, clank. 
she got a job in a different state. Why didn't you go with her? She's still clanking. I don't think I was ready to commit like that. Do you think you'll ever commit like that? I don't know. He reaches out and slices whatever lumps of meat left from her heart. Do you think you'll ever commit to me? She drags the fork across his armor, creating a screech. I'm scared of getting hurt. I don't want to hurt you. The screeching is still there. Aren't you scared of having your heart broken? I've had my heart cut open many times, but I always take the chance. Because maybe this time it'll be different. Now she's stabbing at the armor. I don't think I ever want to be in that kind of pain. She lets out a violent sigh, (sighs) sits back, and pants exhausted by the failed endeavor. The waiter comes in. Ready to order, sir, ma'am? He props his armor a little bit, and she tucks a loose hair behind her ear. He looks at her expectantly. Yeah. Yes, we are. The waiter proceeds to take their order as the camera pans out, losing the couple amidst the many other diners in the restaurant. The end. And that's that's the end. Yeah. Just like Frank said, that's right. the end. That's the end. Efnon, that's the I love pretty autobiographical there with that uh, relationship. I would yeah, I was that I was wondering about that. And just the idea of just this big metaphor that you open with with a girl putting her heart, on the, heart plate, on the plate and the guy strapping <laughs> armor on. But like it does but so when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, wow, this is a big metaphor, but like you don't just leave it at that. Yeah. There's him cutting into her heart, there's her poking him. Like you really follow through with it in this whole short little story that you're telling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, you guys see where it came from. So, I mean, I had to write because I was going through that heartbreak of a week. So I had to just write it out as like, it just, I mean, it was just like one sitting. Like I just showed up one day to work and I was like, I'm not going to open my emails. Let me just write the script. And I just mm-hmm. wrote it out. It was just like regurgitation. How, how did it feel writing yeah. it all out? I mean, definitely it, it helped. I always love, you know, writing because then it's like, you feel like you you achieved something out of your misery. So it's like, well, I'm sad, but I wrote a script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have something. So you, you get that plus. And, and um, I, he, my ex read it as well. So what, he what, really did, what did he say? It. I was wondering yeah, about that. Yeah, what did he did. say? He loved it. He was like, that is, because uh, when he was reading it, <laughs> and then when, when it got to the point of her putting her heart on the plate, he was like, it's getting weird. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Good, keep reading. Mm-hmm. And he kept reading it. And then at the end, he was like, damn, that is so good. That's sweet. And then he was just like the whole night. He was like, that is so good. And then and then we, he was driving me home. And I was, and then he was like, that was about us, right? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the yeah. metaphor that you put out with the heart on the plate, the clanking armor, this is going to sound like a super obvious question, but... I mean, that. Yeah. do you feel that you operate your life that way? Like, in this relationship, you had your heart on the plate and he had his armor up? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I operate in, like, any relationship. But, but I'm also very, like, I don't date a lot. And I'm very protective. So I'm, if I chose to, like, be with someone, I, it's a big deal. Like, I chose you. <laughs> you know, like... Um, so, I mean, that's definitely, and I feel like, because that's the only kind of love that I want to be in. So I feel like you have to show up for what you want. And um, so that's, yeah, that's how I always do it. And in, in this, con- like in the context of this particular relationship, um, he's someone who's, uh, well, I mean, he's going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I don't mean this in a mean Hi. way. Hi. <laughs> What's going on, man? <laughs> 
he's um but i can describe him as like a good playboy in the sense that that he dates a lot um and he's used to just not multi-dating but he's used to just like not you know taking relationships like to heart much and for like i when i came into his life he was just so struck um by the idea of someone that could be like so committed to loving him um to the point that he oftentimes feels you know he feels like he's not he, he's like i don't feel like i deserve you like i'd stop saying like stop buying me gifts or, or stop saying you're here for me forever he's like but why he's <laughs> like you're awesome you're way out of my league i don't understand this um and um so yeah i mean it's been and that's we still we just had a conversation about that like last night too like what? we still have conversations about this yeah still- in your <laughs> script you uh you specifically didn't name the characters in the way you wrote it you have them titled her and yeah. him and i wanted to know what your choice was to give them those just kind of uh titles mm-hmm. as opposed to names really I think is like what Jack said in the intro. I, I think it's like a metaphorical piece. So and I'm not saying specifically that it's always the woman with her heart open and the man who's defensive. It's either way. It's really genderless. But but it is. Um, I just wanted to kind of portray a situation that happens with people. And I think also first date in the sense that you know people say that oh first dates is when you start to you know you, you don't really reveal yourself or yeah. whatever but everyone comes in with their baggage and um everyone comes in already judging and and trying to measure the other person up and so we all come in like with our full baggage and we're not really as relaxed as like the third or fourth date and as um, I've said on this show before, I, I love the line about everybody does, ha- in terms of like relationshipy stuff or whatever, that everybody has baggage and we're all just looking for a matching set. Yeah, yeah. I've, I love I've that heard one. that. Yeah, I've heard you say that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you're talking about, when you're writing this and you're clearly writing this, you, you, you know, you're in your own head more than anybody else's. Obviously, you're able to come to this from your own perspective. And, you know, you're talking about how, gen- generally speaking, as far as the script goes, even though it is a metaphor and you're trying to keep it somewhat genderless, you can identify more with the woman who's got heart on the plate. And, you know, yeah. somebody else could be the guy in the armor. And I, I just I'm curious about, like, you know, trying to when you're writing that other voice that maybe you don't relate to as well. Is it just about writing your experience of the way this armor person, you know, is reacting to you? Or is there a process of trying to get inside this other person's head that may be, you know, acting a little more protective of themselves than you're naturally inclined to be? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's why I kind of wrote it, because I do think that I've been writing for a long time. So there is a skill to writing and you're able to. I, I'm very much able to understand different people and different characters. Um, so, I mean, I don't impose my view. So and I think you can see that in the script, too. Like, I'm not saying that she's right and he's wrong. Yeah. Um, um, and he has his own, you know, prerogative for being himself, and she has her own, too. And, and it's just and that's why I wrote the script, because I'm someone who understands people, yet I'm still me. So, so that's why I'm like, I put such an emphasis on human experience because you can understand other people as much as you want, but you're still you and you still have to deal with your emotions and you still have to do things for you. 
I think that's um, yeah. an interesting I think that's an interesting perspective because yeah because from from one side of it you know here's this person that's putting their heart on the plate and I'm letting you cut into it and yet you're not offering me anything in return and that's that could be disappointing from that point of view but if you're if you're the armored person you're sitting there you're you're trying to protect yourself maybe because you've been hurt before it's hard that's not really all that explicit either but and now you've got yeah. this person sitting across from you on the table poking at you and trying to get inside your armor that can be a scary thing to be on the receiving end of I think there's I think you hit a really good balance there. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I did notice too, you know, of course the script is titled First Date, but they talk about having talked in the past or, mm-hmm. um, you know, she asked about his writing, he asked about her mom. And I wonder just in talking to you, if this is kind of an arranged situation or if they've just been kind of playing through social media and chit chatting a little bit and kind of how that plays into the first date uh, occasion that we have here. Yeah, it, it's more a comment on like just millennial dating that we we interact <laughs> pretty heavily, and I think people can lay out a lot when they text, um, and they don't say much when they meet in person. Yeah. And and it just it, it, it when I was writing the script, it was like it just made more sense that they already because because I'm like, what would make two people meet each other? You know, like nowadays, it's they, they've got to you know they must have interacted on social media, you know, for some time. Um, so that's how you go on a first date, like nowadays. Like you need to be able to hold an interesting conversation. I'll just see someone's picture. Some people do that. But like you need to hold um, some sort of interaction online to, to say, okay, I'm going to make the effort to get out of my house to go see that person in real life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're right too because the idea of, you know, say these two had been texting before they have this first date meetup. The fact that he can bring up that he knows her mom is going through chemo, that's an incredibly like intimate thing to be aware of. And, and you could chalk it up to the, this is how her character is, but also like because it is easier maybe just to type something into your phone and send it off there and then when you're sitting there actually face to face across from a person, like that that the level of communication can be really really different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, I mean, maybe if someone else would have written that, they they would, they would have thought that's too personal, but I guess because I'm someone who I don't mind telling you my life story, even if I've just like met you, (laughs) I've had situations where people like I tell them, I like, I just open up and then afterward they're like, so are we family now or what? (laughs) So, so, um, yeah, so that's, I guess I do believe that people open up more when they're texting, but also, I mean, I always open up when people talk to me or ask me or want to know about me so yeah was there was there an element of when you've written this and you've sort of you know tried to maybe come to it from the other person's perspective and you're you know working out feelings just in general because this is a thing you're creating was there like a a a different sort of point of view that you came to after you wrote this did it change your feelings on dating meeting people anything like that um, I think that, that that's why I wrote it because the answer is no, in the sense that I, I'm someone who thinks a lot and I'm always like trying to justify everything. So I, I, I already understand other, other people and their situations and I can empathize. I, I, I wasn't the, I was never the kind of person that was like short-sighted in, in that sense. And I never understood people who like go through a relationship and then break up and then just talk trash about the person that they were with. And I'm like, but you were with them. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. So I'm always understanding. And what I'm going through right now in my life is the opposite in which I'm starting to be more myself in the sense that, okay, I might understand the other person, but I'm still 
you know, I, I still, I'm still this kind of person. I still want to fall in love that kind of way. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, in my real life situation, I don't judge him, but it still hurts. Yeah. I fully understand him, but it still hurts, and that's what I'm trying to address. Like, yeah, well. what wasn't there? Was there? It was, was it a Whitney Houston lyric about it's not all right, but it's okay? There, 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 there was a lyric there from some '90s song. I know it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Well, what considering that this is a recent work, what are your hopes about getting this produced? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm. Obviously, I'm not against getting this produced, but but also, I mean, if I'm not, it's, to be honest, I don't think it's it's a script that I would um, lobby to get produced. I feel like I feel like it's so it's so good being read, and if it gets made, also that's pretty cool. If like if things align, but I'm I'm working on a lot of other stuff that that are like because even when I sent the script, you guys, to you, like I literally sent the email and I was like why the fuck did I do that? That's a lame script. Like, that's not, you know, that's, that's not, like, because I was going to send something completely different, but I was still trying to work on it, and it was still a short, but I just felt like maybe just in terms of meaning, it was more, like, the message, it was more meaningful, kind of, which well, is not we, true. But, we, we, we definitely yeah. love that you sent us something so personal. Yeah, for sure. You know, because whether or not you do want this produced or you're going to lobby for it, we're all about learning who you are and why you wrote this and why you were the only person who could have written this. Yep. And you just shared an entire story with us about literally why you're the only person who could have written this script. So we really appreciate that you brought it to us and brought it to the show. And if there's anybody who's interested in continuing this conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So they can go to my website, which is screenwriterafnan, that's A-F-N-A-N.com. I'm on Instagram, although I'm terrible on social media, but it's uh, at scriptwriterafnan. Um, yeah, I'm also on Twitter as Afnan Scripts, but I'm rarely on there. So Instagram is the best way. And awesome. website, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your story with us on the show. I love talking to you about all of this. Thank you for sending us the hot burrito script. Thank you for listening to us from Jump. That's yeah, fantastic. That's incredible. No, thank you guys. I mean, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just overwhelmed. Well, yeah. so are we. That's that's very sweet, uh, Afnan. We really do appreciate your time. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. That's Afnan. What a journey. You know what? I love the fact that she talks about how she's like, you know, she could just meet somebody and then it's all right there and you sort of know her life story and like that. And and it, like, I'm really glad that she found our show Yeah. because the idea of, you know, wanting to connect with people and using writing as a way to, to do that. To share story. Being honest about yourself. Like that, that's kind of the, that's the whole point that's, of what we that's do. That's the whole bag here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. That's a that's a wonderful, I don't know, coincidence, serendipity, whatever. I love it. Makes it's me happy. all that and a bag of burritos. Yeah, a bag of tortilla <laughs> chips. <laughs> Come on, it was sitting right there. Uh, if there is something that you've written about that's very personal to you and that you have, uh, you know, maybe put a lot of thought into and you're the only person that could have written it, you should you should send it to us. If you're out there listening like Afnan was and she heard the show and thought, oh, I'm going to write something and send it in. Do that and send the little phrase hot burrito in there and then we'll read it sooner and then we'll get you on the, the show, show sooner. Yeah, we can't wait to read your work. So thank you for listening. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to continue any of the conversations. We are at Script Shop Show and on Twitter I am at your bestie Westie. And I'm at Script Shop Jack. And uh, until next week, friends, that's a wrap. 
Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.